The Athletic. So Tuesday saw the biggest game on match day two of the Champions League. Bayern Munich beating Barcelona 2-0. All eyes were on Robert Lewandowski. Wasn't really his night, though. He has had a good start in Spain, though, uh, and is regarded by many as the best striker in the world. So why did Bayern let him go? I'm Mark Chapman, and this is the Athletic Football Podcast. Cap Alba, la centrada d'Alba, buscant Ferran Torres, el control molt bé per Lewandowski, el xut de Lewandowski, gol! És espectacular la quantitat de recursos diferents que té Robert Lewandowski. Impressionant hat-trick el dia que defensa per primera vegada la samarreta del Barça en un partit de la Lliga de Campions. Robert Lewandowski! I'm joined by the Athletics German football writer Rafa Honigstein and our Spanish writer Dermot Corrigan. Dermot, let me start with you because Robert Lewandowski is where we're going to start. He had two good chances in the first half uh, against Bayern. Despite missing them, Paul Ballas wrote for the Athletic that he still showed that he works in this Barca team. It's clicked very quickly for him since he came in in preseason. He didn't score at all. And then as soon as the competitive games started he's been been banging in the goals in in la liga scored a hat trick in the first champions league game and he his presence has brought something completely different to the the whole barca attack people in barcelona have been a bit surprised that he's not just a finisher there was a feeling that you know barca don't want a like just a number nine who stays in the penalty box and scores goals that's not the barca way but he's dropped deep he's linked the play he's built a relationship with Pedri very quickly and with Rafinha and Dembele as well. And yeah, if he could just have put the ball in the net last night, it would have been a, a lot better for Barca. But generally, nobody's like knocking him this morning. They're, they're happy at, at how he settled in both on and off the pitch and assuming that you know it, it will come good or the next time he'll score the chances. That's what I was going to ask you next. I'm assuming the Madrid media loved it, but uh, the Barcelona media are what? Fairly pragmatic about it? Strikers miss chances? Hey-ho? Yeah, um, there was a good bit of disappointment around. Uh, Xavi was quite even kind of angry after the game in his his post-match comments, you know, criticising his his team, saying we can't miss those type of chances. But generally, the pundits on TV and the stuff I've seen in the in the local papers have been been happy enough. They're coming from a bad place in Barca. Um, last year against Bayern, they were beaten three 0 in the two games, and they just didn't compete at all. You know, they come and set up very defensively in the first game, um, and it was almost like. They thought that Bayern were just on a completely other level to them. Whereas last night could have gone either way. If Lewandowski scores the goals, maybe Barca win the game. So generally the feeling is it's quite optimistic in Barcelona despite having lost the game. Is that the perfect night for Bayern, Rafa? Not not only do they win, but Lewandowski misses two big chances. <laughs> perfect result. Not sure about the perfect night because I think it was a little bit too uncomfortable in the first half. Bayern fought their way back into it after the break and showed some great efficiency and energy. And Nagelsmann made a few changes that worked out, but I think a lot to ponder as well, both in individual terms, some players not showing up, and tactically it still looked a little bit fragile. So a great result, the best possible result. Yes, Lewandowski not scoring, I think was a bonus, but still a game that leaves a few question marks for, for the mid and long-term future. Are there any regrets within Bayern that, he, that he's not still there? If he had been still there, would he have started last night, for example? Yeah, he would have definitely started. I think it was almost impossible to keep him once 
a 33 soon to be 34 year old makes up his mind he wants to leave in this last season and is prepared to kick up quite a fuss and and go go down roads that are you know difficult to come back from i don't think Bayern had a choice uh internally in the dressing room i think people were quite happy when he left Nagelsmann, I think, was quite happy that he could try different things. The club, I think, were quite happy that they could get 50 million euros for a 33, soon 34-year-old. And for the player to sign a four-year deal at that age, you just cannot keep that play- keep a player against his wish in these circumstances. So I don't think there was ever any other realistic outcome. Yes, they could have kept him against his will, and he is a professional, as we've seen with Dortmund, and run down his contract and still perform well. But I don't think it would have been a good... A good setup for any other any other parties. Is that relief in the dressing room you speak of simply because he'd made it clear he wanted to go, or had it, had he been a difficult figure in the past? It started a bit earlier. There was a sense through secondly the second half of the season, perhaps even earlier, that he was playing once more a little bit of his own game. He had changed in nineteen twenty. Suddenly became much more of a team player. That's the Incidentally, the time when he basically said, OK, this Real Madrid dream is over. Let's just concentrate on Bayern and become more of a, of a Bayern player. And it worked wonders for both his goals, but also his standing inside the team. The team really appreciated him being a lot more unselfish and the body language was more positive. You know, he would often do the thing that Ronaldo does when the ball doesn't get to him from the wide areas, just kind of go, ah, you know, what's going on? And I think if you have wide players who themselves want to score goals, as Bayern have, they felt a little bit overawed at times or or pressurised into seeking out him rather than doing something that might have been more beneficial at that moment. And there was this, this sense that maybe it's a good time for for him to move on. Um, the fact that he then went public with his grievances and said, oh no, something in me has died and kind of put it on very heavily, didn't, didn't win him any favours either, but it had started earlier. And of course, just one final sentence, this is not in isolation because basically the moment he came to Bayern in 14, within a, a year, he was basically trying to get out again and move to Real Madrid. So there's been a constant kind of bit of a soap opera running in the background, and this is this is just a combination of it. And the contrast to that, then, Dermot, is what kind of personality of Barcelona discovered on his signing? Yeah, he's settled in very quickly. There's been none of that type of kind of maybe prima donna type um, behavior or feeling that he's he's bigger than than the people around him or anything like that. He he people in Barcelona were super happy that a player like Lewandowski at his level was trying so hard to come to play for them that he made such a big deal of getting out of Bayern. He got very well paid for it and everybody around him or lots of people around him got, did well out of the deal uh, as well. But the, yeah, it was laid out the red cap for him at, at, at the camp now. He's come in, he's been um, friendly with everybody. He's, he's as far as I can see anyway, he's got on very well in the dressing room. He knows a couple of people already, Ter Stegen, his, his partner and Ter Stegen's partner have, have become friends or were friends already. And it just seems to have, have all, up until last night, everything just seemed to have clicked perfectly and there was, there was no no problems at all. Even his contract was leaked to the paper as tends to happen around Barcelona. He's on 
a huge amount of money for another four years, which for Barca, who you know don't have very much money going around, it you might think that's that's an awful lot. But there's been very little criticism of the deal at all. It's just been really happy to get him, and we'll worry about what happens in you know when he's 37 and maybe he can't run. We'll worry about that at the time. We're not going to think about it now. Although they always seem to find the money, don't they? <laughs> Even if they don't have a lot around, they always seem to find it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is he a symbol of a? new era for Barcelona, a, a, a less uh, chaotic... Chaotic, I guess we're, we're going to have to see, but um, he's definitely a symbol of what Laporta has been been trying to do. Like the whole, he was the main, all the, the talk of activating levers and borrowing from the future to pay for for, for this season. Lewandowski was the main, the, the biggest name by far, be, uh, reason that that was done. They needed to get a big superstar. They needed somebody who might be on the Ballon d'Or podium or who's going to, what they think is going to sell lots of jerseys, is going to generate lots of enthusiasm, bring lots of people into the camp now, new sponsors as well. Like Rafinha and Jules Koundé are, are good players and might turn out to be more useful for Barca in the next five years' time. But it, it was all for Laporta. and It was all about getting in a big star like Lewandowski. And that just lifted as well the... The self-image of the the self-esteem of everybody in the dressing. But the end of last season was very down w- within Barca. There was a feeling that you know Madrid had just won the Champions League and La Liga. Barca finished a, a long way behind them. They got knocked out of the Europa League at home by by Eintracht Frankfurt. They, they didn't feel like we're Barca, where we can compete at the top level. But Lewandowski, almost by it's not just on his own, but he's a symbol of the the idea that we can do that now. We can bring in the biggest players. We can fight for the biggest trophies. And up until last night, again, it, it had looked like that. And again, if he does score the goal, maybe maybe they win the game. I think the result is not that important for Barca last night. It's more just the feeling that they they were able to compete or they were able to... They didn't embarrass themselves on the big stage as they have done so often, especially against Bayern. I don't know what you both thought last night. And, and Raf, you can go go first as we sort of look at both clubs and, and compare them and transfers and all of that kind of stuff. But when the lineups came up, I spent more time looking at who was on the bench, actually, for, for both sides and thinking... I mean, not with Bayern because they didn't fill their bench, but with you sort of look at it and think, blimey, you could you could actually just put that out as another team. Yeah, there's there's depth in both these sides, and I think Barcelona's transfer offensive has brought in real real quality by and large. I'm not so sold on Marcos Alonso and, and Christensen personally, but they still, I guess, are improvements on what they had before. But they are, I, I agree with you on that. But they are, they can play in a starting eleven. Put well, it that absolutely. way. That, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think what was interesting and exciting about this post-Barcelona for the neutrals is that it does seem to have a nice blend. Uh, there's Lewandowski there, there's Rafinha there, there's Dembele. And then you have the, the young kids, you have Frankie de Jong in reserve that you can bring on. And you didn't even have Gerard Piquet on the pitch. It, it looks much more like a team than it did, I think, than in recent years. And that, I think, is testament to what Xavi has done in a very short time space of time changing the dynamic, changing the the whole atmosphere around the club. Um, and the way that they approached the game yesterday, they looked like they were in control. They looked like they weren't short on confidence, not feeling any inferior to the Bayern team. And that very rarely happens uh, when a team turn up at the Allianz Arena. So I agree with Dermot there. The result was disappointing. But I think in a strange way, as far as the immediate future is concerned, I think Barcelona might come away happier thinking they have less or fewer problems to solve, I should say, than, than Bayern. Would you agree, Dermot, though? Yeah, it's one of the things that, that Xavi's going to have to, to deal with maybe over the course of the season is that they now have 
Whereas last year he was trying to trying to fill the eleven with players when he came, when he took over first he was bringing up guys from the youth team to to try and you know fill gaps in the squad. Whereas now he's got so many people on the bench and people who are accustomed to play like Frankie De Jong has settled a little bit like Griezmann into this super sub role. You know whether he's going to be happy with it over the whole season. We'll see. People like PK Jordi Alba are not happy to be always always sitting on the bench. Jordi Alba started the season at first choice left back, first choice left back for Spain as well, and he's already looks like third choice now. Balde, kid from the U team, has been playing a few games, and Max Alonso comes straight into the team. So it's going to be interesting to see how Xavi handles those dynamics in the squad. Even if the the team are doing well, if you've got people like PK Alba and um, Memphis Depay has also been, you know, overtaken by by a lot of players in in the summer. And Zufadi's a kid who, you know, the twelve months ago he had been given Messi's jersey. They made a big deal about him. And he also wants to go to the World Cup and he's been playing very rarely. So there's going to be a lot of, um, well, I guess there are good problems for Xavi to have as opposed to to last season's problems. But it's still going to be interesting for him because he's still, well, some of them are his ex-teammates and also it's his first big job. Um, and yesterday, it, it was kind of funny how how annoyed he seemed. While everybody else was happy, he was the one who was annoyed. He was like, we can't be missing these chances. We can't be making these mistakes. I kind of pointed out in the the quick piece we did on the final whistle that you know his selection, as Raf was saying there, He's the one who put Christensen and uh, Marcus Alonso into the team and they were at fault for the goal. So as time goes on, there's going to be things which will be challenges for him to deal with and it'll be interesting to see how he, how he handles them. You mentioned some of the, the young players there. I mean, that's the other thing that strikes you when, when looking at both sides, really, is is the young talent that is there as well, Dermot. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned most of them, but, you know, the, there is Baldi, there is Fatty who are, who were both on the bench and, and yet their key to their midfield is, is Pedri and Gavi who are both, you know, kids, aren't they? Both Are they both still teenagers? Are they just over? Yeah, I yeah. haven't got their ages in front of me, <laughs> but are they both still teenagers? Yeah, Pedri's 20 in November, I think. I thought Pedri was, was amazing last night and he is... But in all the in all the sarcastic comments, yeah. mainly from me about <laughs> Barcelona and and transfers and money and so on and so forth, there are there are a lot of young players to focus on as well. Yeah, for sure. the 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 question kind of is whether all these new the players who've been levered into the club, whether they displace them or not. There were six players who were only signed because of the the money that they got from for borrowing from the future in the summer in the lineup last night, and only two from La Masia, which. For Barca's self-interest and self um, self-image, I mean, um, that's an unusual one. Again, they're just floating on this wave of like we're back again. We've we've raised all this money. We're not going to wonder worry about where it came from. We've got Lewandowski. We're we're at the top. It's how things go when when the results don't go as they wish, or when problems start to to arise for the coach. How how that is worked out is going to be interesting to see but at the minute they're just floating on that wave of, of excitement and enthusiasm and that, that is the same for Bayern as well in some ways isn't it Raf, with some of their youngsters yeah they don't have um, quite as many I think in the starting 11 um, there's Jamal Musiala who's been yeah. once again uh, absolutely wonderful Alfonso Davis now is already in his, his early 20s there's a couple of kids um, coming through Matisse Tell the new signing 17 I think he looks looks better and more exciting, I think, than people have thought. He was almost signed or seen as an afterthought after they'd signed Mane and Delict and the two Ajax guys, but he's become a, a real force in his own right in recent weeks. Um, there's a young kid called Paul Vanner, who's only 16, who might see some action later on in the season. So yes, there is a nice age, age structure, but Bayern are always, I guess like every club with big ambitions trying to do two things at the same time you're trying to construct a side that is 
relevant for the next three, four, five years going forward. But at the same time, they need to win every year now. And I think there's a lot of excitement about the squad, thinking that there is so much depth, but not a lot of fat that they could do it. But it does increase the pressure, A, on getting results and big performances, but also on Julian Nagelsmann, who has the perhaps unenviable task of trying to keep everybody happy when he basically has 16 or 17 starters in his in his team at a minimum. Are they happy? They're happy when they win. Um, that's the only... <laughs> so so they're, they're happier this morning when we record this than they were on Monday night when we had a chat on the BBC. Yeah, they're mu- much happier. And Leon Goretzka came out and said all this stuff about unhappiness in the dressing room is all nonsense. Um, you know, the media make it up. But he had come out on uh, just a week before after his um, substitute appearance at Inter and said, I'm ready now to be a starter, <laughs> which you know, does create problems when you have Master Sabitzer playing really well, starting every game. So I think it's it's probably not quite as bad as, as it's been made out, but it always is a issue un- bubbling under the surface. And as soon as you don't have success, then that kind of cohesion that really a buy-in is, is done or is created through some personal relationships, but also through success, which really binds them together, it becomes a lot less strong. And then you see players thinking about themselves and becoming a little bit antsy and wondering, you know, where's my position? And the, the, the problem in, in a way, in inverted commas, that, commas is that there's no league cup. There's no uh, 38 games, only 34. It does make every game slightly more precious. You can't rotate as much. You can't promise somebody to have 10 games somewhere. You'll find them along the way. Um, So it makes it more difficult for Nagelsmann, who has a reputation for being tactically very shrewd and a bit of a wonder kid, but I think is still learning how to deal with a squad of that quality and quantity. Uh, his men management skills, I think, are a little bit in progress still. And that's where the complications arise. We spent years discussing whether Scottish clubs should come into the League Cup. Do you want, do you want me to see if Bayern can come into the Carabao Cup for, I think that'd for be, next season? That'd be excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, other point, the other point with all of that, before we come on to Nagelsmann, is... They're in a very odd situation, Bayern, aren't they? And they and they have obviously been for a while with ten successive Bundesliga titles. And we discussed this on Monday night. A, f- a few draws, and and maybe there's a bit of a shrug in that. Well, it'll all be all right in the end because they'll w- they'll win the title, which which can lead to maybe a sort of complacency during the regular season, and then absolutely ratchets up the pressure on everybody, particularly Nagelsmann for nights like Barcelona at home in the Champions League. Yeah, and we don't quite know whether that's a positive, that you don't have to exert yourself all the way in the league, or if it's a negative. It's usually outcome bias. So when Bayern don't do well in the Champions League, people are saying, well, it's too easy for them in the in the league. When they do well in the Champions League, people say, well, it's because it's easy for them in the league and they can concentrate on, on the big Champions League nights. Sally Hamicic, um, who I spoke to in Munich, made the point that when Bayern won their first Champions League in 2001, the first new European Cup in, in, in the format, they were 15 points clear as well, uh, which was rare at the time because you didn't really have those uh, Heinkes, Guardiola, 
Nagelsmann type dominance in the league that we see now. So we we simply don't know. But what is true, I think, is that it can breed, and we saw it in the second half of the season, it can breed a little bit of a lack of focus going into games, knowing that, yeah, we can start a goal down, we can come back, we can draw a couple of games. And even Sally Hamicic, very interestingly, and perhaps slightly unwisely, made the point at the weekend saying, well, I've told Julian, you know, we can draw the odd game. It's not that important. We just need to keep everyone happy, which kind of shows you how secure stroke perhaps overly confident Bayern are that they can win the league, even not winning every game, uh, which is just a fact in, in light of the competition who don't have the same consistency. But it does create, as you said, a very special dynamic. The other thing Bayern Sporting Director said to you in the interview is that Bayern are sexy for players. Now, I, I can't work out, and look, none of us are professional footballers, so we don't know. I can't work out whether joining the team with such dominance in a, in a domestic league is, is, an, is an attractive proposition for a player or not. I mean, the evidence would suggest it is. Um, Bayern yeah. have been able to get some really big players in. Somebody like Leroy Sané moved from City to, to Bayern and, and money from Liverpool to Bayern. Of course, money helps. Bayern do pay big wages. I think they are slightly underselling themselves when it comes to the kind of money they can pay to their top earners. They are up with the very best teams in the Premier League. Maybe not Man City, but everyone else they can sort of compete with. And I guess it's the whole package. I mean, Munich is a beautiful city. Uh, playing in the Bundesliga is fun and you have more or less one title guaranteed. I think that is probably attractive for players who haven't won much uh, yet. Uh, you are competitive in the Champions League, which is, I think, the most important thing. Bigger than everything else, I think players who meet, move there think, I can win the Champions League here. And I think that supersedes almost all considerations now for the modern, ambitious footballer who can choose between clubs who are more or less at the same financial level. You will then think about the weather, you'll think about uh, the city, and you'll think about the Champions League. And Bayern, although the weather in Munich can be <laughs> unreliable, I think tick, tick quite a few of those boxes. Where did Barcelona fit in all of that on, on attracting this Dermot? They have all of those things as well, and even better weather than, than Munich probably in Barcelona. <laughs> Every time I was speaking to different people, just in the industry in Spain during the, the summer, I, I kept asking them about, like, why do players want to join Barca? Because all the narrative around Barca in the summer was it's a basket case, especially coming from, from the UK, that club's bankrupt, they're they're doing these crazy pulling levers, it looks like chaos there. But yet, like, Rafinha had his choice, could have gone to, to Chelsea or Arsenal or Leeds, or from Leeds, and he wanted to go. Lewandowski made it very clear he wanted to get out of Bayern to come. Bernardo Silva would have left Man City. Frankie de Jong decided to stay when he could have gone to the Premier League, to the Premier League, which seemed kind of strange that, you know, if Barca is in meltdown, like why do all these great players want to come? And all the agents, all the people around players I was talking to said, like Barca is still just a cool place to, to go if you're a, if you're a player. Um, it has that kind of classical charisma that's still, it's not quite there that it was when it was Messi against Ronaldo and, and Pep against Mourinho. But a lot of these players grew up at, at, at that stage. This is what they're... It's kind of the image of Barcelona that they have. And they felt that even though Barca got knocked out of the, the Europa League by Antre Frankfurt last season, that if you go to Barcelona, you're going to get a chance to win the Champions League. Maybe it won't be next season, but if you're if you're Rafinha, over the course of your contract, you're going to be in the, the, the knockout stage of the Champions League. You're going to get a chance to win it. And it just, it was kind of like a no-brainer. Like, do you want to go to, to Spurs or do you want to go to Barcelona with 
with all due respect to to Spurs, for most players, it doesn't take them that long to um to, to make up the decision, even if they're not sure they're going to get paid, or even if it seems a bit tricky that they have to defer some of their salary into the future, even they, yeah, most of them were just jumping at the chance. Barcelona will presumably feel that they can, they could be anybody for a player, maybe with the exception of Real Madrid. This may be controversial, but, but with the exception of Real Madrid, who they would be in a straight fight with. But apart from that, they'd feel if money was no object, they could be anybody for a player. Yeah. And part of the, the problem that, Madrid and Barcelona and and Javier Tebas as well has with the the clubs who the state run clubs PSG and Man City is that that idea that Barca could sign whoever they wanted or Madrid could sign whoever they wanted has been hit by just the amount of money that Paris Saint Germain will pay to Neymar obviously and then Messi and and well Ramos Madrid wants to get rid of him but they it hurts their ego a little bit to not be the the go-to place for for the very best players in the world they've had to kind of deal with that a bit but generally speaking if if it's not, if Paris Saint-Germain aren't throwing a huge amount of money at the players or if the Premier League, mostly Man City, but if if um, money isn't the, the main driving force, then they feel they can get whoever they want. Where would Bayern put themselves in that, Raph? Uh, well, they've never tried to sign a superstar. I think there was some suggestion that they might get Diego Maradona at one point. They were quite close to Ruth Hullet when he was on his way down a little bit. But their ethos has almost been to, A, concentrate on the best players in Germany, um, sort of keep your superstars in-house as much as you can. Then, of course, pick up the best players from the Bundesliga, which has become a lot more difficult with the might of the Premier League. And they've lost players like Havertz and De Bruyne, who they would naturally thought would have gravitated Mm. towards Bayern. Um, And I think they've made it almost a virtue, and that feeds back into the Lewandowski discussion. They are almost a little bit uncomfortable if there is a a player that is bigger than the club and they prefer players who are of course big stars and and perform really well and they're prepared to pay them a lot of money but they want them to be buying into this team ethos buying into this club ethos and Bayern's identity isn't a galactico identity isn't a superstar we have to have the best player in the world identity it's more about uh, doing things our way, being very frugal with the money, being profitable, making sure we don't do any crazy things, as they always say, and uh, and, and sort of do you breaking not think, the bank. Do you not think, Raf? Mm. Do you not think, Raf? That that's slightly smoke and mirrors a little bit. I mean, I take your point on the superstar stuff, but you know, they they spent over 130 million euros this summer and you could argue that some of the players that they brought well you couldn't argue it's a fact uh, that over the last 18 months two years a lot of the players they've brought in would have been coveted by a lot of other European clubs you know Upper Meccano or Delict or Sane or or Mane as well for, for that matter I mean there it's it, it may not be a, a Messi or a Cristiano Ronaldo but They've got they've got some of the best and brightest talent in Europe. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But you know, first of all, I'd say the 130 million euros, 100 million euros worth of that was balanced through outgoing. So in net terms, they spent relatively little, especially compared to let's say a Chelsea or even a Barcelona. But the point maybe I didn't articulate it well enough was if let's say Mbappe would be available, Bayern would not go for him. They tried for Haaland, but they kind of knew we have to do it, but we probably will not be able to sign him 
because he's already too big and he's going to ask for money that we cannot really pay. So there is, I would just say on that ladder, just a second level, uh, just a little bit down from the absolute world's best. And that's where Bayern tried to be clever and they tried to be play, pick up players who perhaps thought they might be the very best, but then for whatever reason, didn't quite make it. I'm thinking of Ribéry, I'm thinking of Robin, who became sort of Bayern superstars, but at the time weren't seen as players who are in the same kind of discussion with the real greats. And Bayern were a little bit more opportunistic picking them up for relatively little money. And that is kind of their style. Um, so it's a, it's a slightly different model, um, which I think also explains why Bayern don't quite have the same glamour attached to them like Barcelona Real Madrid, because theirs is a, is a, is a harder pitch, if you will. Um, it's not that sexy, even though the age structure and the squad might be sexy. It's not that sexy, I think, for, for fans, for casual fans outside uh, Germany to say, well, we are the club that is really well run. We make a profit and we don't do crazy things. Most people are more interested in what happens on the pitch. Just one on the two managers before we go. I mean, both technical areas were, were beautifully on point in the, in the fashion stakes uh, last night. Xavi is viewed how at the moment in Barcelona, Dermot? It's an interesting one because Xavi wasn't Laporta's um, pick for coach. Xavi allied with or basically allied with the other presidential candidate with Victor Font before the elections. So Laporta had to kind of um, stuck with Kuman too long because he didn't want to go for Xavi. Xavi was waiting in Qatar to come and take over the, the job. So tactically or so kind of politically, he's he does not as safe as it might seem. The fans love him. The pundits love him. And when they're winning games, then everybody likes likes Xavi. But it still kind of has to has to prove himself as a coach. And in Laporte, it's not as he doesn't have the well, he's been 100 percent backed by by the by the president. I'm not saying that Laporte is is looking for an excuse to fire him or anything like that. But it's just a feeling that they're not completely together. Xavi's he's rebelled a little bit against him as well over some of the players. With Frankie de Jong, for instance, with, with Dembele, he has been very strong that he wanted to keep those players when the, the club wanted to push them out. So there's a little bit of a, a power struggle going on there. But generally speaking, with the with the fans, with the players as well, he's quite popular, Xavi. And um, so things are things are going well for him. But um, yeah, to see how, how it unfolds over the season. Uh, and as far as Nagelsmann is concerned, Raf, well, it's a huge win for him because that win. Gives them a bit of breathing space. Bayern have got Victoria Pilsen in the next couple of games. They're windows and they're probably qualified, depending on what happens in the Barca Inter doubleheader. And then, then you can concentrate on the league, which is is better for, for Bayern, for their focus levels and everything. Also, he's been strange enough, probably helped by the amount of injuries that Bayern have picked up, uh, both in this game and just before. Kingsley Coleman is out. Pavar went down. Hernandez got injured and Upamecano was limping at the end. So the game, the, the team will probably pick itself uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks, which just makes it a little bit easier to, to keep everyone happy. So absolutely enormous win. But the wider questions, I think, about the, his tactical ideas and how it fits with the team and some of the big decisions, um, I think they're still left to be answered. Is there a Thomas Tuchel shadow cast over any manager under pressure in Germany at the moment? Not any manager, because the amount of clubs that can actually be attracted to Thomas Tuchel rather than the other way around is fairly limited. There's only really Bayern, because Dortmund is not going to happen after what, what happened there. Leipzig are taken. I don't see him going anywhere else. Um, and we haven't come to the situation where Nagelsmann is under real uh, danger to, to lose his job. Of course, having Tuchel available 
um, makes everybody's life at this level slightly more difficult because you think, okay, um, there is someone who, who we can bring in, but it hasn't come to the point yet where Nuggetsman really needs to worry. Uh, Raf, Dermot, thank you very much. If you haven't already, you can subscribe now to The Athletic and pay a pound a month for the first six months by heading to theathletic.com slash football pod. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. The Athletic.